Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in to our friends at iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Blog Talk Radio. We're glad you all could be with us as well. We're excited to welcome journalist and author Sharon Tubbs to our program today. Sharon's written a really powerful book that not only looks at a dark chapter in history, but also her own connection to that history and the lessons she's been able to learn along the way. The book is called They Got Daddy, One Family's Reckoning with Racism and Faith. We'll talk to Sharon not only about what it's like for her to be able to write the book, but also to take us back to this very personal chapter of her family's life, but also what she was able to learn that now she wants to share with all of you guys. Sharon, thank you so much again for the time. Really do appreciate you stopping by and glad to be able to speak with you about the new book. Be here. Well, the pleasure is definitely all mine, Sharon. So I want to begin with kind of where we are. I mean, the book is out now. People are already starting to share their thoughts. What has it been like for you, Sharon, to see the way that this very personal story is resonating with others? Uh, it, it's been pretty surreal. I, I, when when you write a book, you have certain expectations of, of what people will take away from it. But with this one, it's been a lot different from books that I've written in the past. I've had uh, people uh, contact me relating their experiences with racism as well as growing up in racist households uh, and talking about how the, how the book has helped them to heal, has confirmed some things to them. Uh, so, so it's been really interesting. Did you, when you were writing the book, Sharon, did it start off as something you wanted to share publicly or was it first for your family? It was a, a public story. Uh, my family had uh, this, I won't say secret, but a chapter in my grandfather's life and in my mother and her siblings' lives as well that was not spoken about uh, because it was tragic, because of what happened to my grandfather at the hands of white supremacists in 1959. Uh, so it wasn't a story that was shared at the family reunions. Um, it was a story that we didn't talk about much. And so my uh, my goal was to find out what happened, what were the details behind my grandfather's kidnapping, why was he kidnapped, who did it, and to share that story publicly because it had been hushed for so long. Was that an easy decision for you to make? It, it was an easy decision for me to make. It wasn't an easy decision to carry out. Uh, I, I knew that I, I felt somewhat called to do the story. Uh, like I said, uh, the, let me just go back and, and to the title. The title of the book, They Got Daddy, came about when I was a young girl and I was on the couch with my mother. We were sitting there watching the news in Indiana, and on the news flashed a story about Klansmen, Ku Klux Klansmen, who were planning a march in another part of Indiana. And I looked at my mom, and I was somewhat surprised that this group, this terrorist group that I'd seen in documentaries in school, 
still existed. And she confirmed, yes, they do still exist. In fact, they got daddy. And so those three words stuck with me because I wanted to know what that meant. Of course, she was referring to her father. They got yeah. daddy being my grandfather. Um, and so I wanted to delve into that. As a young girl, of course, I couldn't, but as I grew older and uh, went into the field of journalism, the idea of researching my grandfather's story stuck with me. So it, it came, you know, it was something that came almost organically to me. However, uh, it's a family story, and family stories are tough because there are different, you know, things that different perspectives within the family. There were some people who wanted to talk about this story and some who didn't, and I could understand both sides. And so uh, I, I had to make the decision to move forward because I felt like that was what I was called to do. Right. And, and as you are, are, are chronicling the journey for yourself, of course, we're able to see your responses to what you're discovering and what you're you're finding. Did you know going in, Sharon, that you were going to be such an integral part of the story, even though you were sharing the experiences and circumstances around what happened to your grandfather in that time, that you, by writing this, was going to be such a big part of this book, too? That wasn't the original plan. Uh, so my plan was to write his story, and then as I began to write and to talk with other editors and publishers in the industry, the consensus was, you know, you you got to bring this into the modern day. This happened in 1954 when the inciting incident happened with a car accident, and then uh, and him suing a white sheriff's deputy, and then in 1959 him being kidnapped the day before the trial. Uh, however the systemic racism that allowed those events to occur still persists today. And so the the trick was how to convey the, you know, the persistence of racism in our society. Uh, and the answer was to put myself into the book. And I began to do that. It was, it, it came um, somewhat, in, in a surprising way, there would be times when I would be typing uh, my father, my grandfather's story, and then relate that to some things that were going on in my life or that I had experienced growing up and as a, a black woman, as an adult as well. And tears would stream from my eyes, recalling um, some episode where there was fear or humiliation that I felt. And so I knew that I was tapping into something much greater than myself. And what I was tapping into, Cyrus, was the issue of cultural trauma and how uh, many of the things that we experience as people of color, uh, we've exp our ancestors have experienced. And that traumatic, uh, those traumatic situations are kind of carried down um, from one generation to the next, and we, we feel it. I could relate even more with what my grandfather went through uh, even now in the 21st century. And I think part of what brings this also to our time, Sharon, are some of the issues that you address in the book that your grandfather also had to go through. That was the, the power of, of fear 
and how that fear sometimes uh, showed itself in a violent way. I want to read something you wrote in the chapter, A Country Lawyer, for those who have the print edition of the book. It's found on page 60, and you said this about the time that your grandfather was in, but also the impact of that time. On the other hand, I can fathom how the lawsuit didn't seem that far-fetched, even for the rural South at the time. The car accident occurred two months after the U.S. Supreme Court issued its landmark decision in Brown versus Board of Education, which desegregated public schools, at least on paper. The high court's ruling sparked some optimism among Negroes about change. Never mind that Granddaddy only had a third-grade education before he left the classroom for the cotton field. He still read a lot, to the point where one of his brothers nicknamed him Book. So he had likely either read about the court case or heard about it uptown, on the radio, or at the Sundown Ranch. Whites in the South feared what blacks at the time hoped, that a ruling denouncing the old separate but equal lie in education just might filter into other parts of the law. Indeed, it might give blacks a vision to fight for true equality. You talk about this, uh, this idea of fear and the power of it and what can come from that fear sharing throughout the book. What was it like for you to see how that type of fear, how it did not only lead to violence, um, but also to distrust when it comes to the races too. Okay, so you're talking about fear in terms of from from white America. Right. Yes, okay. Yeah, um, that fear is pervasive even today. Uh, we see how fear of kind of, I don't want to say a comeuppance, but, but of people reaching their full potential, of people of color reaching their full potential and showing their, their true selves in terms of the power that we have as a people uh, and speaking our truth, how that not, not, it doesn't lead to us coming together for some reason. You know, it, you would think that that empowerment would be a good thing, but sometimes, I should say, it leads to more division. Uh, it, it leads to fear among other uh, races, among Caucasians, who fear that they might not have the power or the privilege that they've grown so accustomed to. And so, unfortunately, that's what happened uh, in the 1950s with my grandfather, and we see some of that playing out in our country and our nation today. And, and you even had to have some hard conversations as well, Sharon, that we're able to see in the book. I mean, we talk about, again, what your family was dealing with at that time. Talk to us about what that was like for you to really come almost literally face-to-face with, with white supremacy uh, and those who who believed in it. Uh, so there's a, a chapter in the book when I talk about my my younger years in journalism, and by the way, I'm no longer a journalist. I um, well, I guess I could be a journalist in terms of writing my books, but um, <laughs> I am a nonprofit leader currently. Uh, but there's a chapter in the book where I talk about as a young journalist being assigned uh, to cover a Klan rally in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, where I was working at the time. And so I I went to the rally. I was the only reporter on duty at that time. It was a Saturday. And so, you know, the newsroom was slim on Saturdays. And, and so the story automatically fell to me. And so I went down to the Klan rally, and I re- remember just standing across the street, you know, in total fear 
uh, you know, of, of approaching these Klansmen. They were dressed in full white costumes and hoods. Uh, they had the kind of hoods where their faces were, were out and shown. Um, and so I remember people p- passing by very nervously, not wanting to be involved. It wasn't, it wasn't the big scene or the big story that uh, my editors feared that it might be or thought that it might be, I should say. And so it was really kind of lame. You know, I was the only reporter there from any news outlet. People were walking by trying to avoid this horrific scene of Klansmen in 1990s America. And I did what I had to do as a reporter. I wanted to complete my assignment, even reluctantly so. I went across the street and had to talk to this this guy in the front of the Klan line to get his take you know, on why they were there, what what they were, what their goals were, to get enough information for the story. And I remember being fearful. I had said to myself, "I'm not going to call this guy sir. I wouldn't give him that much respect." But I asked him what his name was, and my voice shook. And I, you know, he could he could see that I was nervous, and there was a smirk on his face of power and superiority. And I remember feeling quite humiliated at that time and walking away trying to, you know, hold some semblance of confidence and, and, you know, courage with my back straight, but really inside feeling like I can't believe that I kind of cracked in front of this guy, in front of this white supremacist. Um, And so that was something that I held in shame. For years, I'd never told anyone about that. I didn't go back and tell my editor or family members or friends what had happened that day. Um, we wound up not writing a story about it because it was so lame. So I just held that inside, but it was a point of shame until I began to write my grandfather's story. So it was, it was interesting how writing his story and then allowing some of my own um, circum- uh, situations to come up um, that involved race, how it brought a healing to me. So when I began to write his story and then was recounting this situation in the book, I, it, I was able to release it and, and not feel shame and give myself grace and, uh, you know, understanding for how I, how I reacted in that moment. There is uh, one poignant moment that I made a note of. I wanted to make sure I shared it, Sharon. Um, that was interesting to me, uh, considering what your grandfather had gone through. Um, again, speaking of this idea of fear, but in the chapter "Fear versus Faith versus Fear," um, there is something that you recount um, that I want to share on page one twelve, um, and that is, you know, a, a conversation uh, with your granddaddy. Of course, the idea of of, of wanting to to be something more. Uh, and the idea that it seemed like your, your grandfather did not think that that was something that was possible, because one of the things that you, you you shared in the book is that he says there on page 112, you're going to be just as black when you cross that Mesa Dixon line as you, as you is now, you know. And this this idea of 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 wanting more, and the idea of, of like you were just talking about being able to reach for more, knowing what you're worthy of, and not everyone seeing that. What was that like for you when you heard that conversation? I uh, my that is a conversation between my uncle Willie James um, and my my grandfather, and Willie James recounted that conversation for me 
when all of this was happening to my grandfather, he decided at that moment he was going to move north, hoping to find a place where he, where a black man, as he said, could be a man. And my grandfather said to him, go up, basically go ahead. But when you cross that Mason Dixon line, you're going to be just as black as you is now. Um, and so that is, I know that there's hope. And my, my uncle had hope for something greater and something more. My grandfather was kind of settled in the South. He didn't even like to, to go outside of Alabama. That was his home, and he grew up in that environment. Um, and so he had kind of uh, reckoned with uh, race in a different way. There, there was, it, it was the way that things were, whereas my uncle's wanted something more. <clears throat> they wanted something more. And I think that is uh, our hope today that, you know, I want something more. I want something greater than what we have now. And I want that also for my nieces and nephews who are coming up, that there is the hope of an even more equitable um, United States of America where um, with each generation we achieve more and hopefully um, are able to make more strides in this world where we live, where we can fully be who we were called to be and who we were destined to be, which is just as good uh, as anyone else. What is your hope then, Sharon? When people finish the book, they learn about what your grandfather endured, the circumstances around it, and the lessons you were able to glean around those times and even today. What do you hope the reader takes away from They Got Daddy? There are different things that, that readers can take away, um, and they have, and they've shown me, those who have read the book already and talked to me about it, have shown me so many different things that they can take away. My hope is that people will um, see the generational effects of trauma. Uh, like I said, there there are studies and theories out about cultural trauma and how that can go from one generation to the next, and I believe that that is so. And so I, it's not, racism is not something that is past and gone um, that was pre-civil rights movement and still very much alive today. And I think that I want They Got Daddy to open up the conversation among people of color, white America, and we all come together and reconcile um, with this truth and find ways that we can come together and find common ground and understand. I, I, I think there needs to be a greater understanding of what people of color have gone through and what, what it is that we need to overcome, not by ourselves, but as a nation. Well, it's a powerful book and a great conversation with you, Sharon. I'm glad we had a chance to discuss it. Again, everyone, Sharon Tubbs has been our guest. They Got Daddy is the book, One Family's Reckoning with Racism and Faith. Sharon, let our audience know, how can they stay connected with you and get their copy of the book? They can certainly stay connected with me on my website, uh, SharonTubbs.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-T-U-B-B-S.com. Uh, they can get the book anywhere online that books are sold. They can get it through my website. They can also find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or IU Press is the publisher. All right. Well, Sharon, congratulations again. Really appreciate the time. and looking forward to speaking with you again.
Thank you so much, Cyrus. I appreciate the time. Hey, more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Now let's go make today amazing. Take care. <laughs>